you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com ww2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity. In the heat of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln famously proclaimed, Vicksburg is the key. The key to the heart of the Confederacy, the key to control over the mighty Mississippi River, and ultimately, the key to the Union victory. Vicksburg, perched on a bluff overlooking the river, was an unassailable fortress in the eyes of the Confederacy, their Gibraltar. Yet, the very strength of Vicksburg became its weakness as it drew the unerring focus of Union General Ulysses S. Grant. General Grant, the relentless pragmatist of the Union forces, was not to be deterred by the failed naval assaults or the forbidding geography. To him, every obstacle was a challenge to be met and mastered. His target was a city built on bluffs, surrounded by swamps, and shielded by the tortuous Yazoo River. But rather than dashing his forces futilely against its defenses, he chose another strategy. A strategy older than war itself, a siege. On the other side of the walls, the Confederate General John C. Pemberton was equally determined. Vicksburg was the lifeline of the South, the gateway to the West. Its defense was a point of honor and necessity. Behind the city's fortified walls, Pemberton and his men prepared for the onslaught, their spirits unbowed by the Union threat. As the Union forces descended upon Vicksburg, the stage was set for a contest of strategies, wills, and endurance. What would unfold over the following weeks was a testament to human resilience, military strategy, and the unpredictable tides of war. The siege of Vicksburg was about to begin. Little did the protagonists know, their actions would shape the course of the Civil War and leave an indelible mark on the annals of American history. The Mississippi River, with its vast expanse and roaring waters, was more than just a river during the era of the Civil War. It was a lifeline, a boundary, and a strategic stronghold. It was the pulsating artery through the heartland of America. Indeed, as President Abraham Lincoln astutely observed, the river represented a key to victory. See what a lot of land these fellows hold, of which Vicksburg is the key, he remarked, highlighting the vital strategic role of Vicksburg in gaining control over this crucial waterway. In the mid-19th century, the Mississippi was akin to the superhighways of today, providing a vital transportation route for goods, people, and more importantly, military supplies. It served as the backbone of the Confederate Western Front, linking the breadbaskets of Louisiana and Texas with the heartland of the Confederacy. The control of the Mississippi, thus, 
was not just about geography but about controlling resources, sustaining morale, and determining the pace of the war. At this crucial juncture, two men emerged as key players in the unfolding drama. In the North, we had Ulysses S. Grant, a man known more for his dogged determination than for his flamboyant command style. Yet, it was this very tenacity that marked him out as the ideal leader to grapple with the daunting task of capturing Vicksburg. He understood the strategic importance of the Mississippi River and was resolved to wrest it away from Confederate control. Facing him was the Southern General John C. Pemberton, a Pennsylvanian by birth but a committed Confederate by choice. To him fell the duty of defending the Gibraltar of the Confederacy. Pemberton understood that losing Vicksburg was akin to severing the Confederacy in two. Thus, for him, defending the city was not just a military duty but a matter of survival. The stage was set, the key players were in place, and the stakes were higher than ever. The mighty Mississippi flowed oblivious to the impending clash, carrying with it the fate of a divided nation. As the Union forces prepared to encircle Vicksburg, one thing was clear, whoever controlled the Mississippi Key would hold the power to shape the destiny of the Civil War. The relentless current of the river seemed to whisper to the soldiers on its banks, a silent reminder that the tide of war was about to turn. Situated high atop a bluff overlooking the sinewy Mississippi River, Vicksburg was a city of strategic importance that commanded respect from both Union and Confederate forces. This fortress city was known as the Gibraltar of the Confederacy, a moniker that invoked images of an impregnable bastion, mirroring the famed British stronghold overlooking the Mediterranean. Within the fortified city, the southern resolve was as sturdy as the earthen works and fortifications that protected them. A certain sense of invincibility prevailed, bolstered by the city's successful repulsion of past Union attempts at capture. The streets of Vicksburg, often filled with the clatter of wagon wheels and the murmur of commerce, had transformed into a veritable anthill of war preparation. General John C. Pemberton, entrusted with the city's defense, was at the heart of this activity. His stern gaze and firm commands echoed the gravity of the situation. Pemberton, although northern by birth, had thrown in his lot with the South. The defense of Vicksburg was his responsibility, a duty he carried with a quiet determination. His task was daunting, yet the thought of failure never crossed his mind. He coordinated fortifications, rallied his troops, and prepared for the inevitable Union assault. The city citizenry, from wealthy planters to humble shopkeepers, rallied behind him, their daily lives now intertwined with the rhythms of war. Meanwhile, from the Union side, General Ulysses S. Grant viewed Vicksburg not as an intimidating fortress, but as a challenge to overcome. He, along with his formidable army of the Tennessee, was encamped just miles away, his gaze fixated on the city perched above the river. He knew well that Vicksburg, with its fortifications and strategic location, was a hard nut to crack. Yet, the resolve in his eyes reflected a single-minded focus, Vicksburg must fall. The lives of these two men, the cities they represented, and the armies they commanded were about to collide in a struggle that would determine the course of the Civil War. The bustling city of Vicksburg, a symbol of Southern resilience, was bracing for a siege that would test its mettle to the very core.
Unseen by the wary watchers on the ramparts, the Union force was gathering like a storm just beyond the horizon, ready to unleash its power on the Gibraltar of the Confederacy. In the tense weeks leading up to the siege, the wheels of war were grinding slowly but inexorably towards the city of Vicksburg. From the Union side, the focus wasn't only on brute force but also on strategy. General Grant, known for his tenacity, understood that a direct attack on the city was a high-stakes gamble. Instead, he sought a different approach, a strategy reminiscent of the timeless art of siege warfare. The Union forces had earlier made attempts to take the city, but Vicksburg stood resolute. Its defenses, buttressed by the seemingly impregnable terrain and the Confederate determination, had repelled the Union's advance. But these early failures did not dampen Grant's resolve. They were, in his pragmatic view, merely stepping stones on the path to ultimate victory. Each failed assault gave him insights, lessons drawn in the harsh ink of warfare. Meanwhile, within Vicksburg, the atmosphere was charged with anticipation. The city's commander, General Pemberton, was aware of the impending siege. He knew his adversary was not one to back down easily. The stern northerner was under no illusion about the task at hand. A grim determination took hold, hardening his resolve to defend the city until the very end. Pemberton worked tirelessly, fortifying the city's defenses and rallying his troops. Even as he prepared for the worst, there was an air of defiant confidence among the people of Vicksburg. They trusted their commander, believed in their cause, and stood ready to endure whatever was to come. As the Union forces congregated on the outskirts of Vicksburg, the calm before the storm descended. The mighty Mississippi flowed unflinchingly past the two poised forces, its waters reflecting the tension in the air. Grant, firm in his belief of ultimate victory, was gearing up for one of the most grueling campaigns of the Civil War. And so, the stage was set. The mighty fortress city and its determined defenders were squared against an unyielding Union general and his dogged troops. The ensuing battle would not just be a clash of armies, but a testament to human endurance, strategy, and the undying spirit of a nation torn in two. This was the prelude to the Siege of Vicksburg, a chapter that would forever mark its place in the annals of American history. Chapter 1. The Gathering Storm even as the first light of dawn broke across the Union camp, an air of intense activity prevailed. The man at the heart of this commotion was General Ulysses S. Grant, his features set in stern determination, his eyes reflecting a relentless drive to achieve his objective, the capture of Vicksburg. Unwavering and resolved, Grant had taken command of the situation. He was aware that Vicksburg was no ordinary city to conquer. Its formidable defenses and strategic location had turned it into the veritable fortress, earning it the moniker, the Gibraltar of the Confederacy. Yet, in Grant's mind, these obstacles were not insurmountable but merely challenges to overcome. He held tightly to the belief that success in war was not merely about numerical superiority or greater firepower. It was about the will to achieve victory, the tenacity to stay the course, and the ingenuity to adapt. With every passing day, this conviction drove him and his men towards their goal. His determination was infectious, 
radiating to the rank and file of the Union Army and stoking their spirits. In their eyes, Grant was not just their general but also the embodiment of the Union's indomitable will. His hearty presence was a constant reassurance, a beacon guiding them through the tumultuous seas of war. Whether discussing strategies with his officers or sharing a word with the foot soldiers, Grant radiated an air of quiet confidence. This unyielding spirit was a silent rallying cry for his men, a testament to the Union's relentless drive to seize Vicksburg. Meanwhile, his strategy was evolving, adapting, transforming with each passing day. From initial assaults that were rebuffed by the city's defenses, Grant had shifted his strategy to a siege. He planned to starve the city into submission, to encircle and suffocate it, cutting it off from the rest of the Confederacy. In this relentless drive, Vicksburg was more than just a target, it was a symbol of the Union's determination to reunite a nation torn apart. Thus, on the outskirts of Vicksburg, under the watchful gaze of their resolute leader, the Union forces steeled themselves for the test ahead. General Grant stood at the helm, a figure of quiet determination and relentless drive, his eyes fixed firmly on the distant silhouette of Vicksburg. The Union's relentless drive, embodied by this one man, was all set to shape the future course of the Civil War. Within the city walls of Vicksburg, a different kind of preparation was underway. The South, although facing an imminent siege, was not to be outdone in spirit. General John C. Pemberton, the commander entrusted with the defense of Vicksburg, was a flurry of activity, readying the city and its occupants for the coming siege. Pemberton, the northerner turned Confederate, was an image of calm determination amid the growing apprehension. His strategic plans were meticulous, drawn up with an understanding of the city's geography, its strengths, and its vulnerabilities. There was no doubt in his mind Vicksburg had to hold. The city's fall would mean a crippling blow to the Confederacy, a fact that Pemberton was all too aware of. Around him, the Confederate soldiers, stalwarts of the Southern cause, prepared to defend their city. These men, ranging from seasoned veterans to young lads, were bound by their resolve to protect Vicksburg. They patrolled the fortifications, checked their weaponry, and steeled their spirits for the fight ahead. Their uniforms might have been worn, their faces marked by the harsh realities of war, but their eyes held a defiant spark. The civilian population, too, was not immune to the preparations. Their city was on the verge of a siege, and every man, woman, and child felt the weight of the impending confrontation. Yet, amid the fear and uncertainty, there was a sense of shared resolve. Homes turned into makeshift hospitals, supplies were stockpiled, and cellars were prepared as potential shelters. The war had touched every life in Vicksburg, turning ordinary citizens into participants in this great struggle. All eyes in Vicksburg were on Pemberton, the man leading their defense. He carried their hopes, their trust, their aspirations for victory. He was the personification of the Confederate stalwarts' preparedness, a symbol of their resistance against the Union onslaught. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows over the ramparts of Vicksburg, the city held its breath. Pemberton stood looking out across the river, his figure etched against the dying light. The Confederate stalwarts were ready, their spirits unbroken, 
their resolve unyielding. The siege of Vicksburg was imminent, and they were prepared to give it their all. As the Union and Confederate forces prepared for the coming siege, the imminent battle was not just a physical clash of armies, but also a mental battle of wits and strategies. For General Grant, the initial efforts to capture Vicksburg through direct assaults had proven ineffective against the city's formidable defenses. But failure wasn't a setback. Instead, it was an opportunity to reassess, adapt, and redefine his strategy. His new plan was a time-tested warfare approach, a siege. By cutting off Vicksburg from its resources, he aimed to wear down both its defenders and citizenry, banking on their eventual capitulation under the pressure of isolation and starvation. This was a classic maneuver in Grant's playbook patient, persistent, and paralyzing. Conversely, General Pemberton, the Confederate commander, was preparing for a different kind of battle. His strategy was to endure, to outlast the enemy's assault. He understood that his forces might not match the Union's strength in an open battle, so instead, he chose to leverage Vicksburg's natural defenses and fortifications. Pemberton's men were prepared for a long siege, their spirits tempered by the knowledge that their endurance was crucial to the Southern cause. Their strategy was not to strike out, but to stand firm, to survive, and to sap the Union's strength in a battle of attrition. The two general strategies were as divergent as the causes they represented. One was an active, aggressive approach, designed to force a conclusion. The other was more passive, relying on defensive strength and endurance to weather the storm. These two contrasting strategies were about to clash in the crucible of Vicksburg, and the result would profoundly shape the course of the Civil War. In the looming shadows of the coming siege, the clash of strategies added another layer of suspense to the unfolding drama. Would the Union's relentless drive break the Confederate stalwarts, or would the Southern determination outlast the Northern assault? As the day of the siege drew closer, the tension tightened, ready to explode in a defining moment of history. The strategies were set, the generals ready, and the city of Vicksburg braced for the clash that was to come. Chapter 2 The Siege Begins The first engagement of the Siege of Vicksburg was a testament to both the determination of the Union forces and the resilience of the Confederates. It was a clear, crisp morning when the Union soldiers, led by their tenacious General Grant, moved closer to the Confederate stronghold. The soldiers' heartbeats matched the steady cadence of their march, their senses heightened, and their spirits bracing for the battle to come. General Grant, on horseback, surveyed his men and the city on the bluff. His eyes were like flint, hard and unyielding, mirroring his determination. The initial engagements were critical, setting the tone for the entire siege, and Grant knew this all too well. As the Union soldiers moved into their positions, the first shots rang out, the echoes reverberating across the Mississippi River, signaling the start of the siege. The Confederates, led by General Pemberton, responded with their own volley, their shots creating a cacophony that punctured the morning stillness. Pemberton, resolute and unyielding, stood atop the city's ramparts, his gaze following the arcs of the cannon fire. His men were well prepared, their defenses up, and their spirits steeled for the long haul. 
the Confederates weren't just fighting for Vicksburg, but for their homes, their families, their way of life. Their tenacity was fueled by more than just duty. It was a deeply personal struggle. The first engagement was fierce and unforgiving. Gunpowder hung thick in the air, turning the morning into a hazy canvas of battle. The Union forces pressed on, their relentless drive embodied in every soldier who marched forward despite the barrage. Conversely, the Confederate stalwarts stood their ground, their return fire a clear message of their unwavering resolve. As the day wore on, it became clear that the first engagement was not going to be decisive. The Union forces were met with resilient resistance, and the Confederate forces were confronted with a tenacious enemy. Both sides dug in, preparing for the long siege ahead. The first engagement of the Siege of Vicksburg set the stage for the intense struggle that was to follow. It was a day that witnessed both the Union's drive and the Confederates' stalwart resistance, a day that echoed with the first sounds of a historic battle, a day that etched itself deeply into the memory of every soldier present. And so, the Siege of Vicksburg truly began, under the watchful eyes of two determined generals and their unwavering armies. The days following the first engagement slipped into a relentless pattern, marking the grim reality of life under siege. The once bustling city of Vicksburg had been transformed into a citadel under constant attack, a place where the echoes of cannon fire had become an ominous part of daily life. For the Confederate soldiers, each day was a testament to their resolve. Men were always at the ready their weary eyes constantly scanning the horizon for signs of the Union advance. Their hands, though blistered and calloused from constant work, never faltered as they loaded and fired their cannons. Their daily meals were sparse, as supplies had started to dwindle. Yet, their spirits remained unbroken. They were the shield of Vicksburg, its last line of defense against the encroaching Union forces. Within the city, civilians struggled to maintain some semblance of normalcy amid the chaos. Families huddled in basements and makeshift shelters, their hearts jumping at every explosion that shook their homes. Even as fear permeated the air, there was a sense of community and unity. People shared what little food they had, took care of the injured and sick, and comforted each other during the long, tense nights. The siege had brought a strange mix of terror and camaraderie into their lives. Children, who were once oblivious to the grim realities of war, had become accustomed to the sights and sounds of battle. Their games had transformed, their innocent laughter often drowned by the whirring sound of shells overhead. Yet, their resilience was remarkable, an enduring symbol of Vicksburg's determination to withstand the siege. At the helm of this resistance was General Pemberton. Despite the hardship, he worked tirelessly to keep the city's defenses up, the morale of his soldiers high, and the spirit of his people unbroken. His firm resolve was a beacon of hope amid the siege, inspiring both his soldiers and civilians to hold on. As days turned into weeks, life under siege in Vicksburg took on an eerily rhythmic pattern. There was fear, yes, but also resilience a shared resolve to endure, and a collective will to resist. It was a testament to the strength of the Confederate stalwarts, a display of their unwavering resolve and indomitable spirit, even under the harshest conditions. 
While the Confederate forces and Vicksburg citizens were fighting a battle of endurance, General Grant and his Union soldiers were engineering their victory. The siege, after all, was not just about cutting off the city, but also about developing tactics that would finally force its capitulation. For General Grant, the strategy was clear weak in the city, bit by bit, day by day, until the resistance had no choice but to give in. Each day brought a new barrage, each cannon shot another blow to the Confederates' defenses. But Grant understood that simply bombarding the city wouldn't be enough to secure a victory. He had to break the Confederates' spirit, shake their resolve, and make them believe that resistance was futile. To do so, he employed an array of tactics. He intensified the bombardment, targeting key structures and defenses. His soldiers dug trenches closer and closer to the city, a clear signal to the Confederates that the Union forces were steadily inching towards their objective. In the dead of night, they would stage feigned attacks to keep the defenders on edge, their sleep disrupted, their anxiety heightened. But Grant's strategy went beyond mere military tactics. He also aimed to create a sense of isolation and hopelessness among the city's residents. He restricted any possible flow of supplies to the city, aiming to deplete its resources. News of Confederate defeats elsewhere was spread, attempting to convince the Vicksburg citizens that their situation was hopeless. At the same time, Grant kept a close eye on his own men. He ensured their spirits remained high, their resolve unbroken, understanding that their morale was as crucial to victory as any tactical advantage. He was not just a general leading his men into battle, but also a caretaker, ensuring their needs were met, their spirits buoyed, and their focus unwavering. And so, day by day, night by night, General Grant and his Union soldiers were engineering their victory, their strategies and tactics slowly closing in on the besieged city of Vicksburg. Each cannon shot, each trench dug, and each psychological maneuver was another cog in the grand machine of the Union's assault, aimed at securing a victory that could shift the balance of the Civil War. Through this combination of military prowess and psychological warfare, the Siege of Vicksburg was unfolding exactly as Grant had envisioned. Chapter 3 The Prolonged Struggle As the siege stretched into its final weeks, the atmosphere in and around Vicksburg was a blend of determination, desperation, and a gritty resolution. Both sides, forged in the fire of conflict, had committed themselves to their cause, their fates intertwined with the outcome of the battle. General Grant, witnessing the impact of the siege on the Confederate forces, knew that his tactics were working. But victory was not yet in his grasp. He could see the exhaustion etched on the faces of his men, the toll of the relentless drive showing on their weary bodies. But there was a spark in their eyes, a resolve in their spirits that refused to die down. It was this grit, this unyielding determination that Grant knew would be the key to their victory. Day in and day out, the Union soldiers worked with a single-minded focus. Each shovel of earth moved for their trenches, each shell loaded into their cannons, carried their hope for a swift end to the siege. Despite the blistering heat, the deafening cannon fire, in the constant danger, they pressed on, their courage fueled by a mix of duty, desperation, and a deep-seated belief in their cause. On the other side, 
General Pemberton and his Confederate forces were also showing their grit. The constant bombardment, the dwindling supplies, and the pervasive sense of isolation would have broken many, but the Confederate stalwarts stood their ground. They responded to each Union assault with a fierceness that spoke volumes of their resolve. Their resilience was made of the same stuff as the city's defenses, unyielding and steadfast. Pemberton's leadership was crucial in those final weeks. He understood the severity of their situation, yet his spirit never wavered. He was a constant presence among his men and the civilians, encouraging, supporting, and bolstering their morale. The sense of unity and shared purpose that he fostered within the city was its own kind of stronghold, a fortification against the fear and uncertainty of the siege. In the end, the siege of Vicksburg would be remembered not only for its strategic significance but also for the grit and resolve shown by both sides. It was a contest not only of gunpowder and artillery but also of human spirit, perseverance, and endurance. It was a test of wills, a battle of resolve, a struggle where victory would be measured not just in territory gained, but in the strength of spirit demonstrated. As the siege of Vicksburg carried into its final weeks, it wasn't just the constant thunder of cannon fire that was battering the Confederate stronghold. There was another force at play, an invisible adversary that was just as relentless, just as unforgiving the silent artillery of time. In the confines of the besieged city, every passing day felt like a weight added to the shoulders of the Confederate soldiers and the citizens of Vicksburg. The calendar had become an enemy each crossed-off day a symbol of their dwindling supplies and strength. Time, in the form of long, anxious days and restless, fearful nights, was taking its toll. For General Pemberton, each sunrise brought a fresh wave of challenges. With every passing day, the faces of his men seemed to grow more gaunt, their uniforms more ragged, their spirits more strained. He saw the same fatigue mirrored in the faces of the civilians. The silent artillery of time was eroding their resolve, chipping away at their strength, bit by bit. On the other side of the siege lines, time was also at work, but in a different way. For the Union forces under General Grant, each new dawn marked a step closer to their goal. Time, for them, was an ally, its relentless march a constant pressure on the Confederate defenders. Yet, the passing days were not without their cost. The Union soldiers too bore the physical and mental strain of the prolonged siege, their bodies worn and minds weary from the constant vigilance and fighting. But it was within this crucible of conflict and the relentless pressure of time that true characters were revealed. Pemberton, despite the hardships, was a beacon of resilience, his courage and leadership inspiring his men to hold on, to endure one more day. Similarly, Grant's resolve remained unshaken. His belief in the Union cause and his strategic genius kept his men motivated, transforming the pressure of time into a tool for their victory. As the days passed, the silent artillery of time continued its relentless barrage, carving deep marks into the memory of every man, woman, and child involved in the siege. The struggle was not just against an enemy army, but also against the unyielding, inexorable march of time itself. As the siege drew closer to its inevitable conclusion, 
this silent artillery had left an indelible imprint on the siege of Vicksburg. As the siege of Vicksburg reached its 47th day, the situation within the city had turned desperate. Supplies, already scarce, were now all but exhausted. The once busy markets were bare, the few available items severely rationed. Residents, who had once feasted on hearty southern fare, were now scraping by on meager servings of peas, cornmeal, and the occasional bit of tough mule meat. Hunger stalked the streets of Vicksburg like an ominous specter. Emaciated soldiers stood their posts, their bodies hollowed out but spirits unbowed. Civilians, too, bore the brunt of the severe food shortage. Mothers cast worried glances at their children, their faces lined with the grim realization that they could not provide for their families. In the midst of this mounting desperation, General Pemberton faced a decision that no leader wants to confront. His city, his people, and his soldiers were starving. Despite their bravery and resolve, their situation was untenable. Pemberton, the steadfast leader, was finally forced to consider surrender. At the Union lines, General Grant could sense the impending capitulation. His strategy of besiegement and isolation had worked. As tough as the Confederate resistance had been, starvation was an enemy they could not outlast or outfight. On July 3, a white flag fluttered over the city of Vicksburg. A message was sent to the Union lines, a request for a meeting between the two generals. The next day, on the 4th of July, an Independence Day like no other, General Pemberton officially surrendered the city of Vicksburg to General Grant. It was a moment that marked both an end and a beginning. For the people of Vicksburg, surrender brought a mix of relief and despair. The nightmare of the siege was finally over, yet the harsh reality of defeat had set in. For the Union, the surrender marked a significant turning point in the Civil War. Vicksburg, the mighty Confederate stronghold on the Mississippi, had fallen. In the end, it was not just the Union artillery, but also the cruel force of starvation that had brought about the Confederate surrender. This chapter of the Civil War was finally closed, but its memories of bravery and endurance, of starvation and surrender would remain etched in the pages of history. Chapter 4 The Fall of Vicksburg the morning of July 4, 1863, dawned clear and warm over the beleaguered city of Vicksburg. The previous day's white flag had signified a turning point, and the cannon fire that had become a constant backdrop over the past weeks had fallen eerily silent. This was no ordinary Fourth of July. The day, typically filled with celebration and pride, was tinged with a heavy sense of inevitability and defeat for the Confederates. General Pemberton, a man who had done everything in his power to hold his city, now faced the solemn task of handing over Vicksburg to Union forces. As he prepared to meet General Grant, he could not help but feel a mix of relief and a deep, bitter sorrow. His city was starving, and surrender had become their only option. Across the line, General Grant was preparing for the meeting with a sense of resolve. The weeks of siege had not been easy but he knew their struggle was about to bear fruit. As he readied himself to receive Pemberton's surrender, he felt not exultation, but a sobering recognition of the toll this victory had exacted on both sides. 
Their meeting was not one of triumphant conqueror and vanquished foe, but one marked by mutual respect. The formalities concluded swiftly, with Pemberton officially surrendering the city and its remaining Confederate forces to Grant. As the Union soldiers began to occupy Vicksburg, the 4th of July took on a new significance. The Independence Day was now a symbol of victory for the Union, a major stronghold wrested from the Confederacy. For the residents of Vicksburg, however, it was a day of deeply felt loss. Their city, their fortress on the Mississippi, had fallen. But amid the despair, there was also a sense of relief. The daily dread of bombardment was gone, the silent specter of starvation beginning to retreat. They had withstood one of the most prolonged sieges of the Civil War, and though the outcome was not what they had hoped for, their resilience was a testament to the human spirit. The 4th of July surrender was a turning point, not just for Vicksburg, but for the Civil War as a whole. The Confederacy had lost control of the Mississippi River, splitting their forces in two. For the Union, it was a much-needed victory that bolstered their resolve. It was the beginning of the end, the first major sign that the tide of war was turning in their favor. In the aftermath of the 4th of July surrender, a stark reality began to unfold across the city of Vicksburg. The cost of the victory, the price both sides had paid, became clear. It was a cost counted not just in terms of the strategic gains or losses, but in the human toll and the profound changes etched into the lives of those who survived. For the Union, the victory at Vicksburg was a major military success. It had been an audacious and demanding campaign, and they had achieved their goal. General Grant had proven his strategic brilliance, the Union forces under his command having displayed their resilience and determination. Yet, it was a victory bought at a high price. Union soldiers, though victorious, were worn down by weeks of constant combat and the harsh conditions of the siege. Their faces bore the marks of fatigue, and their eyes held the hard, distant look that comes from seeing too much of war's cruel face. Many had fallen, brothers-in-arms whose memory they carried with them as they moved into the battered city. For the Confederates, the price of the siege was devastating. Their strong fortress on the Mississippi, once deemed impenetrable, had been taken. The Confederate forces, now prisoners of war, were tired and demoralized. They had fought bravely, resolutely, but it hadn't been enough. The civilian population, who had endured alongside them, was ravaged by starvation and the constant fear of the bombardments. Homes were destroyed, families torn apart, lives irrevocably altered. For General Pemberton, the defeat was a personal blow. He had been entrusted with the defense of Vicksburg and had fought to the last, but it was a battle he couldn't win. The sight of his men, ragged and hungry, was a haunting image that would stay with him long after the war ended. In the grand scheme of the Civil War, the siege of Vicksburg was a critical juncture, a decisive blow to the Confederacy and a significant victory for the Union. But like all battles, it was a victory that came with a high price. As the smoke cleared and life began to return to Vicksburg, the true cost of the siege, the price of victory, became etched in the hearts and memories of those who had lived through it. As news of the surrender of Vicksburg swept through the southern states, it landed like a punch to the gut. 
Vicksburg was more than just a city. It was a symbol of Southern resilience and defiance, a fortress on the Mississippi that the Confederacy had believed impregnable. Its loss resonated deeply, a blow that echoed across the South. In Richmond, Confederate President Jefferson Davis received the news with a grimace. The charismatic leader, who had once confidently proclaimed the independence of the Confederate states, was now grappling with the stark reality of Vicksburg's fall. For him, it was not just a loss of a city, but a crack in the very foundation of the Confederate cause. General Robert E. Lee, one of the Confederacy's greatest military minds, also felt the sting of Vicksburg's surrender. Though he was engaged in his own battles in the East, the news from the West was a sobering reminder of the immense challenges the Confederacy was facing. In the field, Confederate soldiers, already grappling with their own challenges, received the news with a mix of disbelief and disappointment. The loss of Vicksburg, coupled with the significant blow at Gettysburg just a day before, created an air of despondency. Many began to question whether their cause, no matter how just they believed it to be, could withstand the Union onslaught. For the people of the South, Vicksburg's surrender was a symbol of the hardships they were enduring. Homes had been lost, families torn apart, livelihoods destroyed. They felt the loss keenly, and the sting of defeat began to challenge the initial fervor of secession. But amid the despair, there was also a stubborn resolve. The Confederacy was down, but not out. They had faced setbacks before and bounced back, and many believed they could do so again. However, the loss of Vicksburg was a stern reminder that their path to independence would be far more treacherous and costly than they had initially imagined. The Confederacy's loss was immense. Vicksburg had provided a strategic advantage, a bulwark against the Union's attempts to control the Mississippi River. With its fall, the Confederacy was cut in two, a severe blow that hampered communication and supply lines. It was a loss from which they would never fully recover, a critical turning point in the fortunes of the Confederacy during the Civil War. Chapter 5 Vicksburg and the Civil War In the grand tableau of the American Civil War, the fall of Vicksburg marked a crucial shift in momentum. Its surrender on July 4, 1863, was more than a military victory for the Union, it was the beginning of a turning tide that would alter the course of the conflict. As news of the 4th of July surrender traveled, it reached the White House in Washington, D.C., causing a wave of relief to wash over President Abraham Lincoln. He had understood the strategic importance of Vicksburg, once noting, Vicksburg is the key. The war can never be brought to a close until that key is in our pocket. And now, the key was in Union hands, a significant step towards ending the divisive and devastating war. Lincoln's sentiment was shared by many in the Union, from his cabinet to the soldiers in the field. For them, Vicksburg was more than just a victory. It was an affirmation of their belief in the Union's eventual triumph, a beacon of hope amid the turmoil. With Vicksburg under Union control, the Mississippi River, the crucial waterway, was now entirely under Union control, effectively splitting the Confederacy. On the battlefront, Union General Ulysses S. Grant emerged from Vicksburg as a hero. 
the tenacity and strategic brilliance he demonstrated during the siege catapulted him into the national spotlight. His rise signaled a change in the Union's military leadership, and his strategies began to define the course of the war. For the Confederate forces, the fall of Vicksburg marked a significant setback. Their control over the Mississippi River, which had offered both a strategic advantage and a symbol of resilience, was lost. The Confederacy was split, hindering communication and supply lines. The reverberations of this loss would influence the course of subsequent battles, slowly tilting the scales in favor of the Union. Yet, the turning tide was not just about military movements and strategies. It also permeated the collective conscience of both the North and the South. The fall of Vicksburg, and the Union victories that followed, began to shift public sentiment, chipping away at the initial fervor of secession in the South, while bolstering the North's belief in the possibility of a reunited nation. In the grand scheme of the Civil War, the Siege of Vicksburg marked the turning of the tides. It was a significant milestone that altered the trajectory of the conflict, setting the stage for the eventual Union victory and the preservation of the United States. The conclusion of the Siege of Vicksburg was not just a turning point in the Civil War, it also marked a pivotal moment in the life and career of Union General Ulysses S. Grant. Though he had already proven himself as a capable leader and strategist in previous battles, the victory at Vicksburg launched Grant into the annals of military greatness. Born in a small Ohio town, Grant was a man of humble origins who had risen through the ranks to become one of the Union's most trusted military leaders. He was a man of few words but possessed an undying resolve and a keen strategic mind that set him apart. The Siege of Vicksburg highlighted these qualities like no other battle had before. Grant had demonstrated immense patience and tenacity during the long and grueling siege. He understood the strategic importance of Vicksburg and knew that a direct assault might lead to heavy losses. Instead, he opted for a slow, steady stranglehold, refusing to be rushed into reckless action. His ability to maintain his focus amid the pressures of battle was a testament to his character. His calculated risk to cut off his own supply lines and live off the land was seen as a masterstroke of military strategy. It was a daring move, one that could have easily backfired, but it paid off, showcasing Grant's boldness and ingenuity. The victory at Vicksburg greatly elevated Grant's standing in the eyes of his superiors and the public. President Lincoln, impressed by his performance, promoted him to major general in the regular army. The man from Ohio, once a clerk in his father's tannery, was now a national hero. The siege of Vicksburg was a stepping stone for Grant, setting the stage for his future leadership. His strategic brilliance, courage, and resolve during the siege would lay the foundation for his role in the Union's ultimate victory and his eventual ascension to the presidency. The rise of Ulysses S. Grant is intertwined with the narrative of the siege of Vicksburg. It's a story of leadership, courage, and resilience qualities that were not just embodied by Grant, but by the soldiers who fought bravely by his side. Their victory, under his command, was a testament to their collective strength and an important chapter in the history of the Civil War. In the midst of the Civil War, a nation found itself divided by ideology, but united by a river. The Mississippi River, 
with its serpentine path, cut through the heart of the nation, its waters whispering tales of trade, transport, and tradition. With the fall of Vicksburg, the Union had finally succeeded in taking control of the entirety of this crucial waterway. It was a significant turning point, symbolizing the weakening grip of the Confederacy and providing a flicker of hope in the bleak reality of the war. The Mississippi had been the lifeblood of the South, providing a vital artery for trade and transport. From the fertile cotton plantations to the bustling ports, the river was a source of economic prosperity and a symbol of Southern resilience. But as Vicksburg fell, so too did the South's control over the river. The Union's victory was not just about gaining a strategic advantage, but it was also about striking a blow to the economic heart of the Confederacy. Yet, beyond the military strategies and economic implications, the Union's control over the Mississippi River held a deeper, symbolic meaning. It was a symbol of unity, a reminder of a time when the river was a unifying force, connecting north and south, rather than a line of division. Its waters had seen steamboats loaded with cotton heading south and goods from the north heading to the heartland. Now, in Union hands, the river represented a hope, a hope of a country united, a hope of an end to the war, and a new beginning. Among those who held this hope was President Abraham Lincoln, the same river that had once transported him from his humble beginnings in Kentucky and Illinois to the national stage in Washington, D.C. now stood as a symbol of the unity he sought to restore. He understood the importance of the river, not only in military terms, but also as a symbol of a united nation. As the news of Vicksburg's fall spread across the nation, it brought mixed reactions. In the North, it was celebrated as a sign of progress towards victory. In the South, it was a stark reminder of the daunting challenges they faced. Yet, amid the cheers and the tears, the Mississippi River flowed on, a silent witness to the trials and tribulations of a divided nation. The story of the Siege of Vicksburg is not just about a military victory or a strategic advantage. It's about a nation divided and a river united. It's a tale of human resilience, of leadership and courage, of victories and losses, and ultimately, of hope for a united future. Chapter 6 The Legacy of the Siege Today, the echoes of the past resonate through the rolling hills and lush landscapes of the Vicksburg National Military Park. Established in 1899, the park stands as a tangible testament to the history that unfolded here. Across its vast expanse, visitors are invited on a journey back in time a poignant tribute to the events and individuals who played a crucial part in the Civil War. The park itself is spread across 1,800 acres and is beautifully adorned with more than 1,300 historical monuments and markers, each holding a story, each contributing to the complex tapestry of the Civil War. From granite statues of generals to small markers denoting the location of particular regiments, the park is a living, breathing history lesson. As you traverse the well-marked trails, you encounter the USS Cairo, one of the original ironclad warships that prowled the Mississippi during the Civil War. Partially restored after its recovery from the river's depths, it now stands as the only remaining vessel of its kind, a silent sentinel to a time gone by. The park also houses the Vicksburg National Cemetery, 
the final resting place for many of the Union soldiers who fought in the siege. With over 18,000 graves, it is a place of quiet reflection, a solemn reminder of the lives lost and the sacrifices made. There's a palpable sense of the past as you walk through the park. You can almost hear the cannons roar, the desperate cries of soldiers, the distant drumbeat of war. Yet, there's also a sense of peace, a tribute to the resilience of the human spirit and a testament to the healing power of time. Visiting the Vicksburg National Military Park is more than just a trip to a historic site. It's an immersive experience, a chance to step into the shoes of those who lived through the siege. Through its trails and tributes, the park invites us to reflect on our past, learn from it, and carry its lessons forward. As the sun sets and the shadows lengthen, one can't help but feel a sense of reverence for this sacred ground. The echoes of the past may be faint, but the stories they tell are as powerful as ever. The siege of Vicksburg might have ended long ago, but its legacy continues to endure, carefully preserved in the verdant expanse of the Vicksburg National Military Park. From the annals of history and the dust of old documents, the siege of Vicksburg emerges as a moment of immense learning. As the story unfolds, the lessons it imparts span across military strategy, leadership, and the human spirit's resilience in the face of adversity. One of the most significant lessons from the Siege of Vicksburg is the importance of tenacity and innovative thinking in overcoming obstacles. General Grant's campaign against Vicksburg was a strategic masterpiece, marked by his willingness to think outside the box. From bypassing Vicksburg by cutting a canal to marching his men through treacherous terrain to circumvent Pemberton's defenses, Grant's creative strategies played a crucial role in the Union victory. He teaches us the value of persisting through adversity and using ingenuity to turn the tide in our favor. The siege also underlines the importance of effective leadership. Grant's decisive actions and perseverance served as a rallying point for his men, while Pemberton's indecision and detachment from his soldiers gradually undermined Confederate morale. This stark contrast highlights how the strength and character of leaders can significantly influence the outcome of their endeavors. Equally important are the lessons gleaned from the lives of the everyday people impacted by the siege. The residents of Vicksburg, living in caves and subsisting on whatever meager food they could find, displayed an awe-inspiring resilience. Their stories remind us of the power of human spirit and the lengths people can go to survive and protect their loved ones. Moreover, the siege imparts a broader lesson about the cost of conflict. The loss of life, the immense suffering of the civilians, and the lingering bitterness between North and South are stark reminders of the destructive potential of war. This serves as a cautionary tale about the importance of dialogue, understanding, and peaceful resolution of conflicts. In the end, the Siege of Vicksburg serves as a microcosm of the Civil War itself, a testament to human endurance, a study in leadership, and a reminder of the harsh realities of war. Its lessons reverberate beyond the battlefields of the past, finding resonance in the classrooms of today, and hopefully, shaping the leaders of tomorrow. In the collective memory of the United States, Vicksburg holds a place of solemn significance. The Siege of Vicksburg, with its thunderous artillery, its ingenious strategies, and its enduring perseverance, has left an indelible mark on the nation's consciousness, 
echoing through the corridors of time. For many, the name Vicksburg is synonymous with the turning point of the Civil War, the moment when the Union seized control of the Mississippi River, effectively dividing the Confederacy in half. It was a victory that changed the course of the war, and its echoes can still be felt today. The city itself has been shaped by its storied past. Historical markers the landscape, standing as silent witnesses to the past. The very streets seem to whisper stories of the hard-fought battle that raged here. Today, residents and visitors alike can traverse the city and immerse themselves in its rich history, connecting with the past in a profound and personal way. The lessons of Vicksburg have also found a place in our classrooms, our books, and our cultural memory. From vivid descriptions in history textbooks to moving portrayals in films and novels, the Siege of Vicksburg continues to capture the imagination, inviting us to reflect on the price of freedom and the enduring spirit of resilience. At the same time, the memory of Vicksburg serves as a poignant reminder of the deep divisions that once rent the nation apart. Even today, the city's history can stir complex emotions, touching on themes of regional pride, national unity, and the long shadows of our nation's past. In remembering Vicksburg, we are not just remembering a battle or a city. We are remembering a crucial moment in our nation's history, a moment when the course of the Civil War shifted, and the future of the Union was ultimately secured. The memory of Vicksburg is woven into the fabric of our national identity, a testament to the trials we have overcome and the unity we strive to maintain. And so, Vicksburg remains. Not just as a city on a map or a chapter in a textbook, but as a living memory, a touchstone to our past, a beacon for our future. It stands as a symbol of the human spirit's resilience, a reminder of the cost of freedom, and a testament to the enduring power of unity. Even in memory, Vicksburg continues to shape us, reminding us of where we've been, and guiding us towards where we hope to go.